Thank you. Uh, I'm kind of glad to be back. I'm really glad to see you guys, but man, it was difficult coming out of vacation mode and beginning to work. Um, so this morning is, is really not so much a teaching. It is a kind of a State of the Union address. If you're used to looking at our notes on the app, there are no notes there uh, for that very reason. Just to remind you guys, a few weeks ago, we began talking about going back to one service. I want to repeat what I've already said. This is not a defeat. This is not a negative thing. This is because we felt like we got out of sync with who we really are. And so we want to be very intentional about moving back into a place where we can all be together and spend time with one another. So I feel like maybe we should have some dramatic music to kind of set the stage for this big announcement or a drum roll or something, but there you go. So we've decided that our gathering will be at 10 o'clock. We will meet in what we're going to do is have what we're going to call H2O Connect for about 15 minutes, and then our service will begin at 10.15. So I, I know that some of you are not going to buy into this concept. Um, maybe it's because you're just used to being late. Maybe it's because you've got kids and life is overwhelming. And I know that no matter what I say, you will show up at 10.15 or 10.20. I get it. God still loves you. Um, I'll just be happy that you're here. But I do. I do still love you. Just a little less. No. <laughs> so, so uh, but we're trying to be intentional because this whole Jesus movement thing did not begin with the Sunday service. It began with Jesus calling some people into friendship. And the movement that changed the world began with friends hanging out and talking about truth and life. And, and so we're trying to be very intentional. So we hope you all join with us gathering at 10 o'clock. We'd like that to be our verbiage that we start at 10. Our service begins at 10.15. So there's a lot of uh, details or some details that we need to pass on. First of all is the concept that we've talked about, the idea of an after party. And so today we won't have one because we have the Pathfinders class. Weather permitting, we'd like to hang out at Lake Eola next Sunday after our one service at 10 o'clock. And then the following week, we're going to have a party with the pastors at my house. And so if you want to pack a lunch or if you want to grab food on the way there, we have a grill, we have a pool, toss your kids in the pool, we'll hang out together. I believe, like the last time, that there will be a baptism involved with this also. So that's very cool. So a few details uh, for hydro. Hydro is going to be at 915. And so the whole idea here is that David and Ron, who lead our hydro ministry, actually want to come to church. And so after much discussion, what we'd like to have happen is parents that are involved with hydro drop your kids off at 9.15, and then come down here and serve, or just hang, whatever, but that is at 9.15.
and then uh, splash drop-off will begin at 9.45. So that's enough time to drop your kids off into splash and come join us to just hang out together. All right, you guys excited about this? I'm very excited. I'm also excited to invite uh, Amy onto the stage here, metaphorically. Um, so uh, before I ask Amy a few questions, we just want to share a video of her baptism with you. Yes, I didn't, I didn't tell you that that was coming. Let's go ahead and show the video. need to apologize to you for not telling you I was going to show that video. So, um, and I'm going to apologize for the tears because I cry for every reason. It doesn't matter. So I want to, I want to ask you just a few questions. Tell us what you feel about H2O. I've been coming to H2O since Mother's Day of this year. And I have... It's been a giant hug in a very gray time in my life. I came to Orlando in not a good place and really was sitting at my house one day and said, I need Jesus. And from the moment I walked to the door, people have been my new church family, they have remembered my name. Who does that anymore? From the, I'm talking about I hadn't seen people in three weeks and they remembered my name. I would, John talked to me the first day I was here, like I mattered. And that's amazing to me. I had never felt that kind of just open armed, truthful friendship at a church and truthful uh, we all have struggles no one's pretending to be perfect no one pretends like they know what's going on but they're willing to walk next to you and pray and wait for the outcome i love that a giant hug <laughs> what a great description um how did you become a Christian, or can you just describe your spiritual journey? Um, I've always been a Christian. I grew up Catholic, and then as a teenager, I was part of a church very much this size, but not nearly as open and honest. It was very kind of closed off, and everybody pretended like they had it together and they knew what was going on. Um, and it wasn't until just recently that I, 
I got it in my heart that he wanted to know me. Struggles, faults, sins. I didn't need to be perfect. I didn't need to have it all together. He wanted to walk next to me and help me figure that out. I didn't have to come to him perfectly. I just needed to open the door that he was knocking on. I don't really need to give any sermon or teaching later on here. Um, so my third question is that, uh, why did you want to get baptized? This answer, I, I think, is a little selfish because baptism is really supposed to be your public acknowledgement to let everybody else know what I'm feeling and where I stand. But to me, I didn't need a, a public. It, the baptism to me was a line in the sand in my art that gave me a place to go back to when I felt like I couldn't move forward. So I could start again and know that I'd made that line in the sand and he was still there no matter what. We're not done yet. I got one more. But the more she speaks, it's like, gosh, this is really good. Uh, so uh, in an age where a lot of people are just Sunday attenders, and that's not what H2O is about, how did you actually become part of our community? Well, to tell you the truth, I filled out the little blue card. Um, <laughs> um, I... I, I moved into the neighborhood again under not so great circumstances and um, I got on Yelp and I looked up churches and I ended up here because it was the closest one to my house. I live a block away and I thought I would show up and I would see what it was like and if I didn't like it I would go somewhere else and if I liked it I would come back. and. I filled out the little blue card, and, and John came up to me that first Sunday, which there were like four people here, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> um, and then I got, a, I got a really sweet text message from Allison saying that she, was, it, she appreciated me coming and, and she just wanted to say hi. And then I got a text message from Christy, you know, inviting me to have coffee. It wasn't even, you know, hey, just, let's, I, I want to get to know you, just, you know, let's have coffee, and I ignored it for like a day or two, um, came the next service, and people remembered my name, and oh my gosh, why wouldn't I continue to come, and then I've been invited into a life group that really has been everything. The people that I have met and that have opened their arms and allowed me to be me 
and all my flaws and just stood with me and prayed with me. And that's all you can ask for. And they're a church family. These people are the best church family you can find. Thank you. Can I give you a hug? Yeah, give her a round of applause. What I love is that she was willing to, to share, knowing that this was going to be really difficult for her to communicate. Uh, she's a traveling nurse, and so she's going to be gone for 13 weeks in Connecticut. And so we're going to take a computer and put it on a chair and FaceTime her in so she can still be part of us. Uh, what I want to share with you here this morning is I want to take us back to the verse that I think describes who we are and what we're about. And it's found in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. I can quote it. <laughs> Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I remember when I heard this as a college student for the first time, and it's like everything that the Bible is about was summarized in this one section of Scripture. This is why we gather. This is why we do community. This is why we reach out because there is a commission, a mission that we get to do with God, and that is to help people become Jesus followers. That's what a disciple is. And then to teach them how to live, to teach them how Jesus applies to absolutely everything. I want us this morning to remember the power of the gospel to change a person's life. About a month ago, a guy named Joe Cheng uh, filled out Starting Point, which is when we sit down and we talk about who Jesus is. And I asked Joe, can I share your story? And he said, Ab absolutely. So my son and I, got to begin to connect with Joe. And after we had met and talked about five times, I said, Joe, at this point, people make a decision with Jesus in many different ways. Some people don't want anything more. They don't want to move forward with God. Some people want to make a commitment to Christ. They want Christ to come into their life, but they want to do this alone in private with God. And some people want to make a commitment to Christ like right now. I loved Joe's response. He said, that's me. I want to commit my life to Jesus right now. The gospel is the most delicious, inviting, provocative, unbelievable message that this world has ever heard, except much of the world hasn't heard the message. 
Our desire is to shape everything in H2O from our worship to our women's ministry to our men's ministry to our small groups to our large groups around this great gospel this great good news I want to talk briefly about 10 challenges that we as a church will face or are facing and before I do so, I want to ask us, are you willing and are you able to change anything in your life that God would have put his finger on? Is that where you're at this morning that you would say, just show me, Lord, and I'll change? There's an elderly friend of mine named Herschel Martindale who was a somewhat famous, very successful Southern Baptist pastor. But he was playing church, and his church was playing church. And they were filling the pews with Sunday attenders. And he was at a conference, and he heard this verse. And he's wearing his three-piece suit, and when he heard this, he left the conference crossed the street into a field and this distinguished elderly successful pastor lay down and wept and when he was done weeping he got back up did not return to the conference went back home and resigned because he realized that he had been playing church and that God's desire is to make true followers disciples. So I want to share with you 10, 10 obstacles, 10 challenges. And at different points, I'm going to feel freedom to just push a little bit. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will help you to know that was for me. Here's the first challenge to keep Jesus Christ as, as the center of all we do. That's our goal. We want to be very public with this. We invite you to critique us if we ever drift from Jesus being what we are about. We want to grow, but our goal is not to grow. Our focus, the center of who we are, is Jesus. You may love H2O. I would be glad if you loved H2O, but what I want to hear is H2O has helped you to just love Jesus. There's nothing more important than this point. The second is to be biblically faithful while being culturally relevant. There are many churches who are biblically faithful. They teach the Bible very clearly. And yet a world that is lost for some reason is not attracted to them. They're biblically faithful, but they're not culturally relevant. There are churches that are culturally relevant, and they're cool, and they're hip, but they're not following God's playbook, the scripture. And for 2,000 years, we've seen movements eventually die when they drift from the scripture. We need to hold on to both. 
LifeWay research has shown that more than half of Americans have read none or very little of the Bible. Almost 9 out of 10 households own a Bible. 9 out of 10. The average household in America has three. But we don't know what it says. There's a continuing drift away from knowing the scriptures. And at H2O, we are trying to be very intentional in saying, not us. We need to curve back into the scriptures hard. When I had been a Christian for about a year, I was invited into this thing called La Vida, which is Spanish for the life. And it was a great time. But there's some fine print I guess I did not read. We had a three-day fast at the end of our La Vida experience. They dropped us off in tents individually away from everyone else. And we had nothing but a jug of water and a Bible. And so I decided I was going to read this book and underline whatever affected me. And I remember the mentality in my mind. Yeah, there'll probably be some stuff that speaks to me. And so I'll underline a few verses. And as I began to pour over the New Testament, I was amazed at how everything that it wrote spoke to me. It was like God was sitting across a coffee table speaking into my heart. I was underlining everything. This book is radical and dangerous and explosive. And we've got to know it. We've got to have it imprinted on our hearts. So in our life groups, we're trying to put the scripture right in the middle. We're trying to urge one another to be accountable and to read the Bible together. In my life group, the Sanctuary Life Group, we're going over the book of Galatians together so that we can talk about it and understand it so the scripture will grip us. So I want to invite all of us to make this year the year that we get to know the scripture deeply. I love this quote by R. Kent Hughes. You can never have a Christian mind without reading the scriptures regularly because you cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. Someone confessed something to me uh, a couple of months ago. They confessed to stealing one of our Bibles. Those Bibles are there for you. They're a gift. <laughs> Don't steal one and have a guilty conscience. Just take it. It's yours. Here's the next thing. I think one of our obstacles is to be inclusive while cultivating deep relationships. I think H2O as a church, generally speaking, is very welcoming. I also think that there's a downside to deep relationships. The downside is it can be hard for newcomers to break into those relationships unless we are extremely intentional about this. And some of you, I know, you're nodding your head in agreement. You get what I'm talking about. Clicks within our church must be destroyed. The relationships continue, but we have to break out of any clickiness. I was reading the book of James the other day. In James chapter 2, he goes on and on and on 
about how if somebody comes into your community and they're wealthy and you treat them differently than the person that doesn't have any money? And look at what James 2 verse 9 says. If you show partiality, you are committing sin. And I love how direct this is. How many of you would consider yourselves young? Justin, raise your hand. How many of you would consider yourselves old? Wow. I was in the young crowd, just so you know. Some of you are married. Some of you are single. And our tendency is to gather around my people, whoever my people are. And I just want to encourage you. Some of you right now, I think the Holy Spirit is probably pulling on you and saying, I'm, I want you to grow in your love, not having partiality. We are simultaneously, even as Amy shared with us, a church that is ridiculously off the chart strong in our relationships. And at the same time, we need to repent. Everyone with me on that? Here's the next thing. We need to be generous without talking about it all the time. We talk very little about money. We made a decision a couple of months ago to not pass the basket anymore. We often forget to say, if you want to give, there's a box by the door. But we did this taking a risk because we don't want an unchurched person to get the impression that that's who we are. I want you to know we took a risk here. So my challenge to you today is to understand that the gospel advances and the church grows, and money is a big part of that. And so if you're not giving at this point, would you consider that? The next thing that I feel like is an obstacle for us is to become united in our outreach efforts. Our strategy is very simple. Invite people to Sunday and invite people to God on Tap. God on Tap, well, let me just say this, and I've said this before. It is the single most effective way of doing outreach that I have personally been involved in. This past time, somebody sat across the table from me and locked eyes with me for at least 20 seconds. I want you to, to just feel how weighty that is. They locked eyes with me for 20 seconds, and with reference to the gospel, he said, I need this, and my family needs this. I don't know if some of you are intimidated or if you feel like we will mishandle your friends. I assure you we won't. But here's what we want to do. We're going to change our strategy a little bit here. Coming up on August 26th, we invite every single one of you to come. Whether or not you bring a friend. Just come. Just sit. Just experience it. I think you'll be convinced that you want to make this part of your life rhythm once a month on a Sunday night. Y'all hear me, hear me on that? 
I don't want anyone feeling guilty if you choose not to be part of that. We all need to walk before God and make life decisions. The next thing is to, to protect H2O leadership from personal failure. I bring this up because it just breaks my heart once a month where I hear the news of some pastor that there's been some scandal. And we've been very intentional about making sure that doesn't happen. In our leadership team, as most of you know, we send a letter to our wives. My wife gets a letter that says, how is John doing as a husband, as a father? Do you have any questions about his character? Is he working too much? There's question after question, and her response goes to Jim and Steve and Allison. And we sit across the table from one another and look each other in the eye and we push each other because we don't want that to happen here. So here's what I want you to hear on this point is if you ever see anything in us, any character concern, it's your responsibility to bring that up and we invite you to do so. Here's the next thing, to become equipped to do ministry to become equipped to do ministry. Jesus did not just speak to large crowds. He was very intentional about taking godly men and women and pouring into them so that there was a growing movement of disciples. This is not all about me, but what I began a short time ago is called Pace Setters. Pace setters is meant to be like a boot camp. Imagine some high school student who would never let anyone tell them how to dress or what their hair should look like, but then they decide to go and become a Marine. And the next thing you know, someone is saying, give me push-ups and off with your hair and this is what you will wear, and this is what I will call you, and I will talk about your mother too. And the Marine does it. Why? Why would anyone want to do that? Because they have a vision for what they want to become. Pace Setters is a group mentoring time for small group leaders and small group leaders and people who are in training to become small group leaders. And so over the next six months or so, you'll hear more about this. But if that is your heart, if you want to be trained for ministry, we would like to know that. And there is no yelling. The next thing is to develop real men. Our culture has no idea about gender. And we continue to walk down this path of thinking that men and women are the same, and we're not. And men in particular, we have no idea what it means to be a man. <laughs> so we began a partnership with Forge Ministry, and we tried that out, and that was fairly good. But the leader of it, Pete, is a friend of mine, felt that he was overextended. And he asked me, would I be willing to take it over? 
And I thought about that, and I realized this is the first time in my life I'm going to draw a boundary. Yay to me. Um, and then the second thing I realized, it was like an epiphany to, to me. Boys don't become men just by hearing a little talk and sitting around a table for 15 minutes. It's a deep commitment to walk through life together. There is like this process where a boy becomes a man because of a man. So Steve and I have been thinking about this. We are going to launch a men's ministry uh, probably in October. So we want you to know that that's coming. I think I have two more things. Another obstacle that we face is for you, for all of us, to own this church as your church, to own it. There's three bricklayers working side by side, and someone comes up to them and says, what are you doing? And the first one says, what do you think? I'm laying brick. The second one has a different answer. He says, I'm building a wall for my pastor. And the third one has a different answer as well. He said, I'm building a great cathedral for God. That's a picture of ownership. I want to briefly introduce to you, in case you do not know her, Marianne Thompson. Please come up here. And um, what's your official title? The assistant. Right here. Assistant to the pastor. <laughs> so first of all, I just want to thank you because uh, Marianne, by stepping in, and saying, I, I want to be administratively helpful to you, has given me a, a lot of room. It's given my heart space. I pray more than I've ever prayed. I talk to people about Jesus more than I ever have in my life, and it's because of her. So thank you. Can you share with us how many hours a week you work for H2O and how much we pay you? On the average, about 15 hours a week, and I make zero dollars. <laughs> uh, can you explain to us why you do that? Why would you work so much for free? Well, there was a need. You definitely needed help to kind of separate things. <laughs> and then the other thing was, you know, it's something I can do. I can help with the website. I can help with Facebook and Instagram and do all these things. And I can do that. <laughs> I just want to say thank you again. So thank you. The reason I wanted to uh, let you all know who she is is that we are planning to expand an internship program we're not a church that has, isn't that the perfect slide? We're not a church that has piles of money. Uh, we don't have 20 people on staff, but we could. So sometime later in the fall, as we expand our internship program, 
we're opening up the possibility of following in Marianne's steps of being an unpaid intern. We will work you, we will ask much of you, and we will give you nothing. <laughs> Who could possibly say no to that? But as I thought about it, it's like, that's what I did when I became a Christian. I just went all in with my church and I became an unpaid intern. For those of you that want to be an intern and you actually need to make money, you have the possibility of raising financial support in order to do that. We literally could have a staff of 10 or 20. So if you're interested in that, we would like to know that. Our last point, last thing that I think is an obstacle is to actually follow the one who carried a cross. You all know this. The cross was invented by the Romans to kill people in the worst possible way that their imagination could conjure up. So if you have a cross around your neck, it's like wearing an electric chair. It's a symbol which means death. I was a very young Christian when I read this verse in John 12. John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. And this Jesus spoke the day before he was crucified. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. All that to say for the obstacle that we face is that God's call is and always will be to die die to our selfish ambitions, die and serve and pick up a cross and carry it. I want to go back here before we move into worship. I want to go back to Matt Prouse's comment. When we talked, when we began this conversation, and we said, should we go back to one service and Matt, in case you don't know, gets up early on a Sunday morning to drive the truck over here. If there's a single person in this church who should have been applauding and saying, yeah, let's go back to one service because I'm really tired, it was Matt. And what Matt said was, I will joyfully just keep doing what I'm doing if we can reach one person. So this morning, as we talk about our future and the obstacles that we face, have you died to yourself? Have you died and said, here's what I got. It may not be much, but I offer it ultimately to Jesus by offering it to H2O. I'm here to serve. So can you all stand with me and we'll worship The reason we need to die 
is when you die to yourself, your vision gets bigger. You begin to notice people. Your heart gets bigger and your joy gets bigger. Father God, we confess to you that we are in a big story. We are in a big story of a big God with a big love. We are so grateful for what you've done in our lives. I believe I speak for all of us, at least most of us, when I say we love H2O and we love what you've done here in us. God, would you never let us become shallow? Would you never let us drift from our focus? Would you prompt us and move among us that we would continue to joyfully love you and love each other and love the lost. We give you thanks for all that you've done in the great name of Jesus. Amen.